0: What's up, everybody? On this episode of the Boston Ski Party, we sat down and had an awesome talk with Sierra Schaefer, former editor-in-chief at Powder Magazine and current editor-in-chief at Ski Magazine. My relationship with Sierra dates back to my very first Powder Week in 2016, when my business partner, George, and I set off on an all-time adventure of skiing, ski testing, and beverage guzzling, hosted by Powder Mag at Big Sky Montana. From that point forward, Powder Week was an annual requirement for the crew here at TSM. For years, Powder Week was arguably the best week of the season for the entire ski industry. And as editor of that magazine, Sierra played a huge role in what made it so banger. Because those weeks were such an unforgettable and impactful part of the growth of our business, we also decided to have George sit in with us to join in on this conversation. We start off by doing a little reminiscing on those epic Powder Weeks, which have unfortunately gone away due to the discontinuation of Powder Magazine in 2020. We then dive into Sierra's transition going from the end of powder to almost immediately taking on the editor role at Ski Magazine, another major pillar in the ski media landscape. Since starting in 2021, Sierra's time at Ski has been eventful to say the least, as the magazine's parent company, Outside Inc., has made some drastic changes at the publication. Enjoy the show. Holler. <music>
1: It is what it is, man. 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 It's cheap too. <laughs> com.
0: Actually, we're I, we're talking with uh with Berkwitz about this yesterday, so I, I just I wanna lead with it because it, it was always kinda rumored around the powder people when you know you were you were at powder week and stuff like that, and I, I was I was always too embarrassed to ask you. So I have to get confirmation about the Val Kilmer rumor. Is it, was it true that you were his assistant or was it not true?
2: It is true right after college. My first job when I moved to LA was I worked as his personal assistant, but I quit after three days.
1: It's quite you, the run. You quit <laughs> after three days.
2: Yeah. I made it about three days and then I failed.
1: Was it that
0: intense that you had to get to be like, this is not for me.
2: Yeah. It was really intense. Um, I think people that are that caliber of celebrity, and I know like for a lot of people, he's kind of like now in the periphery, but he had his season, right? He had his moment. Um, but even like just people at that level of celebrity, like don't live in the same world as the rest of us. I just, I couldn't get there. I couldn't live in that world. And... Um, he is a really, I think, probably super smart, like genius, creative person. Um, but he just like, didn't ha- we didn't see eye to eye maybe on what the hours would be or like <laughs> a lot of, a lot of late night phone calls or like weird requests of, he just needed a lot of things I couldn't do. That sounded bad.
0: I mean, he's 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 the ice he's the man. Ice man. I, I mean, that was the other thing. Is
2: I I knew I had to quit, or I I was going to call him that at one point, and then I would get fired. So I just
0: that quit. would have been a better story if if you're maybe you should just say that now. Like, oh yeah, I worked for him for three days, but I called him ice man, and you're like, he's like, just get out.
1: But you know, your story with him. I mean, that's really kind of what he tried to do in the Top Gun movie with Maverick, where he was always trying to get him to quit and like, oh, are you going to quit? And. You know, then they have that interaction in the locker room <laughs> where he goes, and like, because he's dangerous. You know, right?
0: So you're essentially. True. So maybe uh, it was.
1: Fe- yeah, you're Maverick. It was you're a test. Maverick. It was a. <laughs> you're then, fe- female <laughs> Maverick. Then who's Goose? I don't
0: know. I don't know. So I'm glad that that you confirmed that because again, I, I've I've always had that in the back of my mind because people would always talk about it at at powder week be like yeah yeah Sierra, she's working for val kilmer and i thought people were just fucking with me and i'm like really they're like yeah ask her and i'm like i'm not asking her that <laughs> not falling for that, one. <laughs> not falling for that um, one
2: i don't even i don't even remember how it came up or who i told but yeah someone shared that at one point i definitely didn't use that like in the interview i didn't like bring that up but <laughs> for my job you Like, hey guys, I'm really looking to transition.
0: So I walked into Ski Monster and they are flying. They're like, "I was Val Kilmer's personal assistant." We were like, "You're hired. You're immediately hired." You're hired. You're in. (laughs) Say no more.
1: (laughs) When do you want to start? (laughs) I mean, I can't believe we're only one degree separation away from Val. Yeah, right there. I know. (laughs) It's true. So
0: I'm glad we confirmed that because that's been weighing on me for years. I feel. I feel. I'm glad we could get that out of the open. It's it's off my chest. Uh, so speaking of your interview process with, with powder, I mean, we we have a little bit of an idea of, of kind of how you got there um, just because we have a relationship from powder week and, but for people that would be listening, just the semi briefish story, you know, how someone from where you were in Colorado, went to school in Pennsylvania and then ended up at powder magazine. Um, give us a quick little rundown on how that went down.
2: Yeah, sure. I, have a degree in journalism. I got from you know a tiny school um, on the East Coast, and then um, I guess I can't call Pittsburgh the East Coast. You guys are true East Coast. Yeah, it's but, close. It's close. Um, Eastern from east of Colorado where I'm from, um, and then moved out to LA. Um, and I was working after the Val Kilmer uh, tenure. Hey, I was I working at a, um, at a at a newspaper. newspaper. Yeah, exactly. I was working at a newspaper. Um, in outside of Los Angeles. Um, I was a reporter for them and then an editor. Um, and after about three years, I was kind of like looking to see what would come next. Um, I knew I wanted to be like in the outdoor kind of action sports space, um, and a little bit more like long form rather than just like a, uh, daily weekly newspaper. Um, Um, and I reached out to Megan Michelson. Um, who I know you guys all know. Um, She's a fantastic writer out of Tahoe. Um, I had seen her byline, like, just showing up everywhere. Um, And I was like, who is this person? How is she doing this? Um, I totally cold called her. I was like, hi, I want to be you. And um, she took, like, two hours out of her day and talked me through what she does. And um, shortly after that, Powder opened up their headcount to hire an assistant editor. Um, And it was kind of during a big transition there with John Stifter leaving, um, his role as EIC and John Davies coming up. Um, Megan put in a good word for me and I went through the interview process and, um, moved down to Carlsbad and got started there. So, um, I really owe a lot to Megan for, you know, putting in the good word and just kind of shepherding me that right direction. Um, ironically though, the same week that I, same time I was applying for that job at powder, I also applied for a job at ski. And the same day that I got the job offer from Powder um, Ski, called and said they decided to go with somebody else. Oh, and now here we all full circle. Full circle. Well, that made later, your that made so. your decision
0: pretty easy, though. <laughs> yeah, right. I was
2: like, well, I only got one, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you got yeah, to live, and you got, got to live off. in Southern, Southern California, which is nice.
2: Yeah, it was a good time for sure.
0: That's that's awesome. I mean, because when we we first met, you know, I I didn't. There was a lot going on when we first met, and, and that was at Powder Week, I think, in nineteen eighteen. No, 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 that'd be uh, two thousand sixteen. Sixteen. Wow, my years are off. Everything's going together, putting yeah. together, but it sixteen. All,
2: the last couple of years kind of blur together. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, we for, for, first met there, and there was just like there was a lot of a lot of powder people all around. So I. I I didn't really know who was who at first, obviously, because everyone's like, "Oh, they work for Powder." You have no idea who's in charge. It was chaos, you know. There's just like people we were running so, everywhere. So nervous, yeah. We, George and I were freaking out. Yep. We're like, "Dude,
1: yeah."
2: Was that your first Powder Week?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our, our first. Oh, one, so we
2: had our first Powder Week together.
0: So oh, our our shit. first one was at was the was at Big Sky. We did we did two years at Big Sky and two years at yep. Red. And yep. it, it was that it was that Big Sky when we walked in and we were both kind of like. Holy shit, dude!
1: Like this is sick. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't believe i Well, Man's I was thinking guitar. the same thing. <laughs> yeah, and then you and then you. I asked was us, like, the same thing. Our names, and I couldn't even like figure out what my name was. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure it's George. And like, Michael said, and like, yeah, here's your like lift ticket, this badge you're supposed to wear to get you in places. It looks sick. And then now you have to go um, test stuff and say how it felt.
0: Yeah which is a big part of what we do now so we actually owe powder week a yeah. huge thanks for for getting us on the on the right track with that i mean so how we even got involved in Power Week is actually pretty funny i'm not even sure if you were involved in that process of picking testers back then do you have do you do you remember no how we because got that there? was
2: that was my first year at powder so i was just as green and Sick. awestruck as you guys and um yeah so t- i i think i know this story but i want to hear it from you how you guys got in the mix
0: it's funny that that was your first year because like i legit thought you were just like a you're a seasoned powder person
1: you seemed like it you did for sure you were dialed
2: well I appreciate that
0: <laughs> yeah every yeah, that whole that whole first well really every year but yeah that whole first year I remember thinking how dialed the whole setup was and how it, it from when you walked in like to the to the meals and then like how the test was going it, it was an, it was incredible I mean maybe I was just like Really, just overly excited to be there but it felt
2: no you know what the crew like the crew that we had in those years and big credit goes to like katie crookshank um she was like on the not on the editorial side but on the kind of business side of powder at the time and yeah i was
0: super intimidated by her <laughs> yeah so how we got involved your in-
2: first it- powder week how you got invited yeah. our
0: first Powder Week. And how we actually got involved is actually, it's really kind of funny and, and a lot of things really just like fell into place for us, for us to even be invited. Um, so we actually owe two really large thanks. One to Matt Berkowitz, who obviously at the time was at, was at Fisher Skis and is now our director uh, of marketing, our brand director. And the other is actually K2 Skis, which is really kind of strange because Hanson and Berkowitz, how the story goes, how, how, I, how it was told to me through Berkowitz and Hanson and all these other people. Hanson and Berkowitz were talking on the phone Hansen said, hey, Matt, do you know anyone from the East Coast that would be that would be good to come out and ski and test and party and hang, you know, you know, our crew who would fit in. And he said, well, do you know George and Eric from Ski Monster? And Hansen obviously has no idea who we were. Right. So he was like, no, I don't. And he's like, yeah, I mean, they're legit dudes. They'll trust me, they'll fit in great. Well, he didn't believe him, obviously, so he hung up the phone, and then he had to, like, you know, vet us out, so so he's oh, asking yeah. around, like, you know, does anyone know these guys from Boston, you know? Well, luckily, he didn't have to go very far, because he asked Davies, and he said, do you know these guys, George and Eric, from Boston? And he's like, well, actually, I do, because in October, George was on a Sospe trip with K2 Skis, and Davies was on the same trip.
2: I remember this trip. So...
0: George yep. and Davies met in Switzerland. Must be nice. And then <laughs> he was, and then and so then he's like, yeah, those guys are legit. And so then we got like a random email from Powder Magazine, be like, do you want to come to Big Sky and be a ski tester? I was like, holy fuck, dude. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was so <laughs> crazy.
0: It really was crazy. So that's how we initially got involved. And again, K two skis, and now back Berkowitz who was playing, playing his, his hand right because now he's obviously part of big part of our team here at Ski Monster, which is great.
2: Yeah, it all it all works out. You know, it's a small industry, and I'm always excited to, like, meet new people, but they're never, like, they're never far away, you know? Like, there's always someone who knows someone, who knows someone, and now Matt is working with you guys, and, yeah, it's awesome.
0: It, it is. It, what's so funny about that week in particular <clears throat> is that, like, everyone that we hang out with, Outside outside of Ski Monster or you see at industry events or ski testing or just randomly, everyone that has ever been to a powder week, that's the for whatever reason it comes up in conversation. It's like, dude, yeah, that remember remember that at Powder Week, or like, dude, I missed Powder Week. And it, it it's so weird because we go to a lot of events, obviously, so do you, like working in, in the ski industry a lot of ski events and no one ever is like oh i can't wait to go back to x event you know and or i miss this event so much if anything events are going away you know and it's just kind of funny for us because every time we see somebody and we're an hour into like you know just catching up or talking about whatever and it's like dude powder week you're like i know like why do we always go back to that it's so weird it's, it's really weird
2: it's a special time it was this really really special event and it was the people you know i remember the last year we did it up at red kind of before right right before covid um and all of that and it was like our staff was really really lean um at powder at the time we were going through a bunch of transitions and you know before before all the furloughs and everything and i remember freaking out and being like how are we going to pull this off? You know, we're, we have like three people on staff right now. We used to have 12 and it was actually Katie who I mentioned earlier. She said, you know what? It's never been the staff that's made powder week happen. It's been, you know, the powder union, the testers and the brand reps that come. And like, people are so happy to be there and they want the week to go smoothly. Like everybody's pitching in bringing, you know, their like good attitude, good energy. And like, no one's like, Everyone's willing to jump in and like move chairs or like schlep skis up to the hill. Like it never was just the staff and, and it was always the people and she was totally right. Like we were able to pull it off time and time again because of, you know, people like you and the brands that would come and like everyone was invested. And I think that's one of the reasons that people look forward to it. Like there was ownership um, and you really felt like you were, you know, you go to a trade show and you're like just a guest, you're attending and you kind of mill about and get through it. Um, but I think powder week, people felt ownership of it and were like part of it. And it was, it was so cool, um, that that's what made it work.
0: Yeah. And for, for everyone that is listening to this powder week, essentially is the, it was the powder magazine ski test. We It was just called powder week, the best week of the year, because that was like, it's branded thing, but it, it was just the test for the buyer's guide for the following year. Um, right. and, and it became more than that for everyone that was involved. I mean, it, especially for me, because the people that, we were exposed to yourself included, um, at powder and at, you know, other testers from uh, other people from other brands. I mean, a lot of people we kind of knew because we're a retailer, which was kind of different for the most people that were there. Um, but a lot of other people we didn't know. And, and it was like this, we were exposed to this whole new crew of people that were just these awesome people. And even to this day, like those are the same people that you'll bump into or, or you'll see it. And you have like this special connection with them. Cause you're like, we were, we were part of that week together. And you always yeah. just kind of like go back to it, which is, it's really pretty fun.
1: And at powder week, as opposed to other ski tests, you know, it's not just, you know, like your, your ski day, like the actual on snow part, you know, you meet at seven thirty or whatever time it was and you have breakfast together and you know, those tables change up and then, you know, you're assigned whatever person and you know, which, you know, could be a little nerve-wracking if, like, you were skiing with, like, some pro skier that, like, you kind of went to. You're like, oh, my God, I got to go ski with this person, figure this out. And, like, that happened with Hoji once. And then yep. you get done with the morning, and then you have lunch, and you kind of, like, decompress a little bit from the day, digest what happened. And then you go do your afternoon slot, and then same thing happens. Then we have the daily dump where you go over, like, the whole day, and – you know, when uh, Katie was talking about, like, the people that made it work so well, I mean, at our, the last powder week that we went to, I think pretty much everyone is a veteran. You know, like yeah. 90, over 90% had done it before. Right. Um, and, um, yeah, you just kind of get how this is supposed to go. It's supposed to be um, fun, have a good time, and I really won't forget what Matt Hansen said at one of them. It was, you know, if you want to get more out of powder week, the people that put more into it, end up getting the most out of it and i mean that's yeah. true in so many things it's, but
0: it's true right,
1: right.
0: um
2: such as life right <laughs> I,
0: I i mean i mean we just got back from we just got back from a pretty epic trip to austria and italy with with nordica skis okay that right. trip originated at the well start the conversation started at the second at the last uh, powder week at big sky it, they, oh, like, awesome! Yeah. So we, we were at the, at the, the, um, the, the bar at the, at the party, the, the kit, the off party, which I can't remember the name of that bar. It was like in that theater in, in the little town of big at sky. The,
2: um, oh yeah. What is that called? Yeah. Somewhere in town. I can't remember.
1: We were,
0: we were <laughs> at the bar and Ethan Corby and Sam back from Nordic skis and me, myself and George. And basically George was like, dude, we want to go to Austria. We want to see how the sausage is made. Like We, we want to see these skis. And he's like, I think it was the drunkest Ethan Corbys ever been in his whole life. For sure. And he was he, <laughs> so I took advantage. And he took yeah, he pounced. Yeah. He pounced. And he and he was like he's like, dude, play me in Connect four and if you beat me, I'll take you to Austria. It's so, yes.
1: so,
2: so, I
0: won, dude. <laughs> dude I won.
1: So we, That's beat him. Incredible. we beat him in
0: Connect Four and, uh, in Big Sky and, and finally it, it, the trip came to fruition this year I would say we were supposed to go a little earlier but with COVID and all that stuff so we just got back like a couple weeks ago and it was funny because we got there and Ethan was like fucking Connect Four dude <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's incredible. I didn't know that. I Oh, that's awesome. I love hearing stories like that. And it's it's so true. Like you're talking about all the veterans that would come, you know, but every year there'd be a few new people, right? Like someone new working for a brand. We'd always bring in new local testers. Um, and the, the best part was just like seeing how all the veteran powder weekers, like welcome them into the fold. Cause it's intimidating. Like you guys, we were talking about our first year showing up and you're like, Whoa, there's some heavy hitters here. Scared. People ski. Like people are good skiers. Like really good skiers. But you get you get off the plane um,
0: you get off the plane, you go and you, you check in, you get your thing, They're like, Oh, you're skiing with so and so today and all of a sudden there I am standing with Matt Sturbins and he's like, You wanna go for a yeah. hike? And I'm like, What the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> let's go, dude.
1: <laughs> but like we were just so, talking about to- so- like we were just talking about um like with the 90% of people that like know how the day goes for the new people that are coming in that's what makes it extra intimidating like how do they know how this yeah works like the um the speed dating round like how do they i mean they just yeah. they just get it you know yeah
2: yeah but then you go one week and you're like okay now I'm in and you like everyone was so welcoming and like and there was no like cold shoulder like oh you're new you don't get it like I just I never saw that and um even when I came in and I was supposed to like be running it and I had you know I was so oh god you guys I was so intimidated and um I'd barely even skied with the staff like I got hired in the summer so I didn't go skiing with anyone I worked with until that winter So this was maybe like the second time i'd skied with the whole staff so for all they know i like don't even know how to ski maybe and it sure as hell felt like that compared to all of that you know and it just um i actually went out with matt sturbins too on my first powder week we go up to the tram we ski down it's the end of the it's like the end of the middle of the week but it was the afternoon session and i think it was just he and i like he didn't have any athletes with him it was just him and me and I was like god this is really <laughs> intense and he's such a good skier and he's like a big deal and we get to the bottom he goes you know what I like about you you don't really care what you look like when you go skiing <laughs> like, wow that's incredible um so that really he really won a special place in my heart that day we have since skied together many other times and I hope I've I don't know, redeem myself a little, but it was, yeah, just, yeah. And skiing with Hoji and all these, you know, Rachel Burks, like what, this is crazy. And, um, I mean, I think that's how you get stuck in this industry, right? Like I've been through the ringer on this thing and I, you know, it's, um, it's hard, but then you have days like that and you have experiences like that, or you get, you know, I've been to the Nordica factory in Minnesota and it's like, what the hell am I doing here? This is so cool. And you're, you know, with the Austrian ski team and they're like building skis on the machines and it's insane. So I think...
0: Isn't it so cool how, how the operation, like like we just, I mean, we just got back so it's really fresh in my head, but everything yeah. that they like do there as, as far as like where the ski starts to where it ends, to walk through that process, it like you just are like, holy crap, like this thing should cost way more. It's crazy.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. It kind of does give you perspective and makes you understand just you know, with any of the brands, like how, how much thought and, and attention and detail goes in. And you literally, you see, when you go to the factories like that, you just, you see like stacks of two by fours basically, Yeah. you know, and you're like, oh, that literally, I mean, I know conceptually that that becomes a ski, but to see it happen is, is really wild. And it, yeah, it gives you a huge appreciation for what these designers are making one
0: of the things that that really states st- you know stuck out to me that for whatever reason i, I never you know made the connection in, in my brain we've been doing this a long time now as far as like being around ski equipment selling ski equipment is that both george and myself were, were kind of like holy shit, is what they marry the skis at the end of the process which I never knew, I didn't think that was a thing uh, until you see it and you're like, oh yeah, duh, that has to be a thing because not every ski is going to be exactly the same. And then you have two different graphics and it's like the weight is off on one that goes to a different pile. So it's like the skis come out and they have to wait for another ski. That's like almost identical.
1: It's crazy. Yeah. From weight to flex to rocker to camber to everything. Yeah. And just because it's pressed together, doesn't mean that it ends up together. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know
0: why I didn't think about that. I mean, now that you say it out loud, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. But when you, when you see it for the first time, you're like, wait, hold on. Wait, what?
1: <laughs> well, part of it is because not every factory does it. That's true, too. But
2: but yeah, the like, you know, the hand made touch or how I don't know how you want to say it, but just that there it's not just a machine. You know, there's a lot of human factor involved in making skis and um, just such attention to detail. And you guys know from testing like you know a millimeter difference or a little bit of weight like or where you're mounted like that stuff can change the entire experience of the ski so
0: yeah yeah, it's, important. It, 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 it's true i mean and i guess it, it comes down to to the to the people that are doing it too i mean and basically back to to what you guys are in at powder i mean the crew that you guys had during that time and we talked a little bit about a couple of the people with hansen and, and davies and yourself of course but i mean working with all those people so early on especially if like that was your first power week I mean, the experience that you must have gained by just like hanging out with those people, um, just like seeing how they work, seeing how this whole operation works, and that must have helped you obviously tremendously in your career. Because, like, look where you're sitting today. I mean, that that's got to be kind of crazy experience.
2: Yeah, I mean, I it totally ruined me because I had the best of the best, right. you know, to yeah. start. I like started at the peak, you know. It's like if you went skiing for the first time ever, like. You know, heli skiing in the Alps or something, mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, well, what do I do next? You know, <laughs> like I had the ultimate crew. Um, they taught me so much, and you know, are still good friends, and we're all still in touch. And um, I'm so grateful for that time in powder. Um, just the the personal relationships formed, like the professional expertise, and you know, it wasn't that I had to do things their way either. Like by the time I was sitting in the editor's chair, like I had my own vision and I had some of my own ideas um that were different from previous editors. Yeah. And maybe wasn't how Hansen or Davies or Stifter would have done it, you know. Um but they always supported me even from a distance. Um and I'm really grateful for that and I've been able to kind of take that with me and I'm still learning, you know, every day. Um, cause the landscape is changing, but yeah, I had the absolute freaking time of my life with those guys and that team. So it was really special.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, th- just thinking about this now, obviously those people all at the same time at the same place, you could see why for those handful of years, like how wildly fun and successful it, it, it was. Um, yeah. it's pretty rad. I mean, just to see that test. And now, I mean, we don't, we've only been a part of, um, powder week and now free skier. So we have those two test experiences and now you, you just had the experience of powder week. And now of course you're in your new role, you have to manage a new test, which that test yeah. obviously is, 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 vastly different than what we were, we were probably doing <laughs> the early days of powder week, but equally as important to kind of maybe, you know, look at, 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 at both tests in, a, in a, its own way. I mean, I, I don't know, obviously, cause we've never been to ski, yeah. Um, but for you to take what you have from powder and go there, I mean, how did, how did that work and and how did that transition? What was that transition like?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, when I came on as the editor of ski, I made it really, tried to make it really clear to my team and to the people I was working with and to the industry folks as well, like I'm not here to try to duplicate powder, you know, as a brand, as a test, as a magazine, whatever. Um, one, I don't think you can. I think that powder was what it was for a lot of different reasons. And I don't think, you know, it can be duplicated. Um, And I also didn't want to, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to kind of take the opportunity to create something new and different, um, you know, with all the different ski media from ski, and then there used to be skiing and free skier and the ski journal and powder. Um, you know, there's this spectrum that they all fall on, right? And there's a different readership and a different audience they all talk to. Um, and, you know, like maybe some of the critiques that Powder received over the years is like, it was too core, too elite, too, you know, aggro, whatever. And then Ski maybe gets critiqued for being like too uptight, too PSIA, whatever, you know, Mm. and there's always truth in those things. But at the end of the day, like we're all trying to talk to Skiers. And there's all kinds of different skiers. And what I wanted to create at Ski and what I'm still working to create at Ski is kind of this big tent, right? That like we can talk to the former powder readers, we can talk to the former ski readers, and we can talk to new skiers because, as you know, we're seeing new skiers come in for the first time. Totally. In a long time right now in the industry. Um, and I want it to be a place that feels welcoming for all those people. Um, then of course you run the risk that when you try to be everything to everybody, you get totally diluted and you're nothing, you know? Um, so it's a balance, but I kind of took that mentality into the ski test this year and we tried some new things, um, from some that came from my experience with powder, some that historically were, you know, seen at the ski test, um, and some new stuff, some of it worked, some of it didn't, but it's always a, it's a refining process. Um, interestingly, I blew my ACL the first winter that I was working at ski. So I actually didn't get to participate in the test the first year. Um, so I just let it, I just let it run and I just was there watching. We had it, um, we had it at solitude in Utah and I wasn't skiing. I had just come on staff like a month before. So I was like, I'm not going to touch this. I'm just going to watch and learn since I hadn't been to another test before. Um, I think that actually was really helpful. Because then when I went into it this year into the planning process with our team, um, I could say for sure like what I'd seen, what I'd experienced. And um, we kind of came up with a new hybrid model. And then um, what was unique this year too is we pulled in the outside magazine test. We folded that into the ski test because we're part of the same company. Um, so there was you know some testers from that family. there was some, you know, processes from that test that we brought in. And so it was a whole new ball game this year. Um, and we'll continue to be going forward, kind of a refining process of what that's like. There's two goals, right? Like one is the main thing of trying to get all the data to make the buyer's guide. Like that's always the goal for all of these tests, no matter what company you're with. The other one is it's like a time, it's like the one time the ski industry actually gets to go skiing. You know, everyone thinks we just all go skiing all the time, but like usually I'm answering emails. Um, And so, and that's true for all the brand guys. That's true for a lot of the testers that work in shops or retailers or our instructors. Like we don't all get to ski as much as people think or as much as we'd like. And it's kind of the one opportunity to get everyone together and just go skiing and like be reminded why the hell we do the work that we do. So that was an important part of it too
0: yeah and one one really fun thing that um that we we took from from the powder test and i'm sure you've learned this a lot over the years too because we do a lot of our own testing now which which is great it 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 helps curate our our buy it's awesome but if someone's actually a good skier it doesn't necessarily make them a good ski tester totally and that's been something that you know when when you're new to it you just assume that everyone that can that can ski relatively well can test the ski and, and then articulate to you how the ski feels. And a lot of people can't do that. Uh, and then the the biggest thing that we, it, the biggest, biggest, I guess, takeaway from those daily dumps back at the powder week was like, you would ski with this person all day. And then they would tell you what their favorite skis were or the skis they didn't like. And you'd be like, that's not how that ski feels at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you know, you're like, what? <laughs> no, <Yep>. wrong, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you might be a better skier than me, but that's, that's wrong.
2: <laughs> yeah
1: but yeah, it, it's, it nervous. it's
2: really interesting. Sorry. It made you nervous.
1: <laughs> no, I mean like when no. you're, when you're trying to articulate skis for the first time, when you don't do it, say as often as we do, you can think that you're like, you can second guess yourself instead of saying, you know, th- like, it's, it's more like in some ski testing, it's more fact, like this is definitely more grippy than this is. You don't have to think about it too much. But people right. get in their own heads and get a little nervous about what they think they should have for a response. And when you're in a room full of however many people, especially if you're new for the first year, it's just, it's just scary.
0: It is scary. And if someone says to you across the, the round table that you, you see as this, like this person is a really great skier, has the respect, respect of uh, of the room and they're like, ah, yeah, this ski skis like this. And you're like, well, I don't know if I should say I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> because totally. because everyone's looking at me and be like, dude, you don't, like, who are you again? So it's kind of like that weird vibe because it's not it's not anonymous at all, you know. And you're just like expected right. to either you know agree with that person or or say how wrong they are and like have this like awkward conversation when everyone's just trying to like drink <laughs> beers and have a good time. So way easier yeah. to agree with people. Way easier, <laughs> way easier. So th- that was one of the negative, positive and negative and Positive in the sense we we actually saw how great skiers don't necessarily turn out to be great testers and negative in a way where like a lot of the skis that were being tested and being talked about weren't necessarily getting their fair shot because everyone was just agreeing with like the people that had the most quote unquote clout in the room, you know? So it it was kind of a, it was a good, it was definitely a good learning experience uh, for us as far as how the testing process goes for sure.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And one thing that's different at ski and this existed long before I came in um, is it's super data-driven. I mean, we have spreadsheets on spreadsheets on spreadsheets of a lot of math and a lot of equation that makes all of our little journalist brains just like implode, you know, uh, like, we were told there'd be no math, but here we are. <laughs> um,
0: that's why I took, these, that's why I, I signed up for journalist.
2: Yeah. Like, no thanks. Um, but luckily, you know, we've got some smart, uh, people on our staff that have been able to figure it out. So, um, But we've got all this data um, that actually influences the selections, right? And so we can say based on the data, this ski scored highest in, you know, um, like playfulness. So if you want a playful ski, these skis scored the highest overall based on the hard facts. Mm -hmm. But, But then the explanation and what you're talking about is having testers who can articulate what does playful mean and on what kind of terrain and I'm this kind of skier so this is why I like that or I'm this kind of skier so this is why I don't that's where like all the subjective nature comes in of ski testing right because you can be sitting around a table and say oh man I love this ski um, it's exactly what I want because of where and how I ski and maybe someone else you know they're like well I ski on the east coast and you know, I don't need a ski that's 106 underfoot. Never gonna, never gonna need that. You know, 96 is an all mountain wide to me, and you know, and it's just, it's, um, it is pretty subjective in that way. And like you said, it's not just quote unquote good skiers um, that make the call. Obviously, everyone who's testing does need to be able to understand, you know, how to bend a ski and how to arc a ski and that kind of thing. Um, but think about who the average consumer is. They're not, you know, Matt Berkowitz and Hoji and you know. Um, they're a lot more like middle ground skiers. Um, just looking to have so, a good time.
0: That's it. Yeah. That's it. yeah, yeah. So, Dude, we so you know, just know. Matt Berkowitz with Hoji <laughs> <laughs> <mean, let> <laughs> I can't believe you just did that. Let he's stop ne- he's never he's never gonna let live that down out. God
2: damn it. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, you're welcome, Matt. Uh You can take me to, you can take me to Austria now. You're like Eric
0: German and Michael Jordan.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But you know, like industry folks, like we're so in our heads about it. We're so oversaturated with the information and the average person coming into your shop, right? Like coming in to buy a ski off the wall, like they don't know what torsional rigidity is. And that's not because they're idiots. They just know they don't need to use that terminology, you know? And so we need to be able to articulate you know, take out a lot of the jargon and the like ego from it and just be like, here's who this is for. And here's what it's for. And if that's you, this is your ski. So I think having, you know, guys like you and, and testers from all across the, you know, from Tahoe to the East coast to the Rocky mountain West and, and all of that. And, you know, some of like the jibbier skiers, like it's important to have that range of testers in the mix because that's representative of, the buyer and the reader.
0: Yeah. well, And also too, it's important for pe- like us ski monster people to test skis in a variety of different places, different types of snow, different areas. Because the one thing that is the downfall of, of the magazine tests in the way it's like it's hit or miss on what the week's going to be like, whether totally. it's like, you know, cause we've had weeks of powder where you're like, Holy shit. It just snowed like, you know, 18 inches. Like this is going to be a big right. day. Or you have weeks where it's like, hasn't really snowed at all. And the, it's bulletproof. You know, so you, yep. ha- you have a bad week of weather and it's like you put all of this, all these dollars into that week as far as like how you're going like to position these these skis in your gear guide and you, and you get weathered out, which which sucks. Another thing right. too that we talk about here at Ski Monster a lot with testing is, is the tune. <clears throat> a lot of times yep. like someone just shows up What well, we do a day with a brand and you're like, yo, this kid was up last night and these skis are money. Yep. Like these are dialed or where Dave's like, man, we skied this in Utah last week and this is a different ski. You know, like, was it, yeah. it, was it just out of the wrap? Did they not tune it? Did it was it a bad tune? And, of course, now you're, you're giving the equipment a, uh, not the fair shake because of, of whether or not someone tuned it or didn't. I mean, instead of just taking it out of the wrap and doing a side-by-side that way, which I'm sure you yeah. you, you get that, too, for people talking about that, I, I would assume.
2: Totally, yeah. There's a lot, a lot of time during the tests that go into tuning the skis, and some brands, you know, put a ton, a ton of time into that. And other brands, it is kind of, you know, off the shelf, out of the box. Um, and that's kind of where having a skier of a certain ability on the testing crew comes into play. Someone who can say, you know what, I don't think this is a bad ski. It's a bad tune. Um, and being able to make that differentiation and, and make that correction, hopefully, um, of getting it retuned. But, yeah, we've totally had those experiences. I mean, ski test this year was at Sun Valley. And it was awesome. I mean, that's like so much vert on one run. And, uh, we got absolutely crushed. Like after the first day, I think we'd skied like, like 35 K and I was like, Oh shit, this is going to be a long week, you know? Um, <laughs> so, um, it's like, okay, I got to stretch for the first time in my life this week, but, um, we didn't have great, you know, we didn't have deep snow. Um, we had a lot of hard pack, um, and some kind of slush bumps that were awesome, but we ended up taking like the powder ski category and the backcountry ski category, um, home with us basically, and had to do some additional testing because it just wasn't a fair shake. Um, like you were saying, because of the conditions that week. So yeah, there, there's so many different ways to test all the, all the mags and all the brands have a different way to do it. Um, they're all flawed, you know, they all have great elements and they're all flawed. Um, But I think, you know, when you're using, like, skis, gear guide to pick your ski, the reviews really do come into play and and saying, oh, I ski like George. I ski where Eric skis. I'm going to see what they like and and kind of identifying. Like, choose your player, you know, Um, and identifying your skis that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, um, honestly, it'd be great if these tests just had them, everything just come out of the wrap. Because it gives more credit to the factory that produce a thing, right. like uh, Blizzard Nordica is doing this ridiculous investment for all skis that will be de- delivered next year into just finishing and tuning skis, and you have this other factory that didn't do anything, but the majority of skis by the end user, which the magazine test is really for, you know they're not doing any extra tune when they're brand new, so to all like. Right. Really, just test what that is. Great, you can always tune something, but it'd be really cool if it was just out of the wrap. Or second plan would be they all have to go to the exact same tuner, right? And that goes to your, yeah, and that
0: goes to your point, Tierra, in the sense is like the person that's actually going to buy the ski and use it is literally taking it out of the wrap and going. So we're right. we're, we're at tests of trying to like you know ski on all these skis and people are trying to make them incredibly sharp and fast and all this great stuff and, and make it just like money. But you're like the person that the ski is for is literally taking it out of the wrap with like a screwdriver and then yeah. putting it on snow and, and literally go and then going, going to Killington, you know, like that's, that's, yeah. where, that's where they're going. So, so yeah, I mean, to yeah, have no. some kind of thing with, with, with that, some consistency would be kind of nice.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. It's funny. Um, Joe Johnson, who is with Solomon, and I were just debating this on... Not even debating, but just having a conversation about it yesterday on Twitter. Oh, really? Um, about, yeah, like a straight out of the wrapper test. Um,
0: that would be sick. Which,
2: you know, like I said, some brands are going to love that idea, and other brands are going to totally freak out and say, no way. Um, you know, we've talked about having a single tuner do everything, you know, but then someone gets unfavorable results and they say oh well it was it was your guys's tuner you know but you know it's kind of um,
1: funny like if they're not willing to tune their stuff i mean they're just upset because they have to up the game at the actual factory right that's the problem yeah right yeah. <laughs> so any totally. listener if you see a brand that's upset about this it's because the factory blows yeah this, key, this key's up. <laughs> Fact you
2: know and we've also <laughs> talked about doing like and you know i've also thought well do we do a totally blind test where there's no top sheets um, and that's an option. You know, there's so many different I've, ways. Oh, the, the, like, man, the
0: manufacturer would hate that. That would drive really them crazy. That would drive them crazy. Um, I guess he, Berkwitz, well, right? Berkwitz <laughs> isn't even here. He's, he's, he heard that and he's squirming <laughs> right now at his house.
1: Yeah, that Hojiko was gone. Forgot about it. I'm,
2: I'm off his good list now. Yeah, but, uh, you know, there's that. There's, like, I don't know if when you guys were in Austria at the factory, if you went up on snow with those guys, we did. And they, um, on that little ribbon of death, you know, the glacier right by the, maybe there was actually some snow, but um, of right death. by the factory. And like, you know, they're taking stuff from the factory to the snow, same day, no top sheet and putting it with their, you know, their tester and crew up there and, and getting immediate feedback. And um, I know a lot of the brands do that in development. Um, so if we tested like that, or, you know, one thing that was different from what how powder did it versus how we're doing it at ski You know, powder, the tester would be paired with a brand, right? Like you were saying, you go in the morning with one brand, afternoon with another, and you rotate throughout the week. So you're getting to sit there with, you know, oftentimes the designer and the engineers, not just the marketing guy who's trying to sell you, but like the engineers who are like, I made this ski this way because it's supposed to do this. And then you get off the lift and you're like, okay, yeah, you nailed it. Or wow, that's not what I got at all. Um, Whereas at ski, we haven't had the brands with the testers. They've been separate. This year we mix it up a little bit, but historically there's been no communication. And I personally really, this is maybe just a weakness of mine, but I struggle to get on a ski that I know nothing about and articulate the build and what it's for and, and who I think should be on it. I like knowing ahead of time this is the intention and kind of seeing if my experience matches that or doesn't. So, you know, I think to each their own there, but there's so many different ways you could do it.
0: No, that makes sense. I mean, I, there's obviously pros and cons to both. You, you know, the the the, okay. pow, the powder way, um, I liked a lot in the sense that like, to your point, you're sitting down with the guy or gal and they're explaining to you exactly why they built this product and how they want you to use it uh, or what the product right. is supposed to be used for. And you're like, wow, this that's great. And again, to your point, when they nail it, you're like, shit, this is sick, like awesome job. But when they don't, it becomes a little bit less fun of a, of a conversation or you don't say anything, you know, because you're, you're like, well, wow, I don't want to like trash this guy. This guy skis. I mean, he's sitting right next yeah. to me, you know? Right. But then the other side of it is like, if you went and grabbed that any ski from a corral and skied it and it had no idea what was in it, you would be like, okay, I, I can't really figure it out. Like I, I can't tell what I'm feeling. So there's definitely pr- pros and cons to both. Um, yeah. Having like a hybrid type of a, of, a, of a deal with a more of like a, I don't know, Um, out of the wrap kind of like, that's it. We're not going to like doctor anything up. I think it's probably, probably the most fair way to do it.
2: Yeah. I think we're getting close to that. Like with the ski and outside test, um, we learned a lot from merging those this year. And, um, I think going forward, you know, we'll continue to refine that process. And I think it's getting closer to that hybrid model.
1: Was it nerve wracking at all? Um, going from like the powder week deal which you know had you know some weight to the ski mag test that actually really moves the needle on what ends up getting purchased like what's on the cover like that really makes a difference
2: yeah no it's incredibly stressful (laughs) 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 personally personally and professionally you know and luckily I have a great relationship with you know most of the brands that attend these tests and had a lot of, you know, honest conversations, both when I came on at ski, um, and before, during, and after the test, um, you know, and then there's the going through, you know, navigating the difficulty of who do I want testing, you know, and having to, um, move on from some of like the veteran ski testers who have been a really important part of that group for a long time, um, in order to kind of bring in some new and different skiers, um, I also think it's important to have like local skiers, you know, this year we were able to have half women, half men. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so, you know, um, I would love for the testing group to not be all white at some point, you know, And it's hard. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of pressure there because these tests really do matter. Like you said, they move the needle and the results of what goes in these buyers guides can be make or break for a brand. Um, and in the same way that, you know, I get up every day and put my heart and soul into into my work of, you know, telling these, you know, stories and whatever, making magazines, running a website, social media, like that's what the brands do making skis, you know, that ski is their annual magazine, basically. And I liken it to that, that they're so invested and it would be hard um, to see that. It's hard to see your work didn't resonate with testers, you know? Um, and so there's a lot of pressure there to create something that feels fair. Um, but also gets, you know, what we need for our guide. Um, we're able to get that information. So if everyone's a little bit unhappy, then I feel like it's a good test (laughs) because that means, you know, you've kind of found the middle ground. So, um, that is also extremely uncomfortable, you know, and it's hard not to take things personally and you know everyone's looking at you like, what are you going to do? Um, some people loved Powder Week, some brands loved coming to that and other people thought it was a big joke, you know? Um, so it's 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 hard to strike that middle ground um, in, and kind of serve all of these different goals.
0: Yeah. So for your for your buyers guide for your gear guide it, i mean we obviously there's a lot of chatter on the internet and people posting articles about things that are happening i mean is it true that ski is only going down to one print publication is it going to be two and if it is just one is it just going to be the buyers guide like what's what's going on
2: yeah so um this year we will produce the unified buyers guide with uh, we've combined it into one so and this was before any of these changes happened this was the plan like the the outside summer buyers guide just came out and that was produced by like the outside staff, climbing mag, backpacker mag, you know, trail runner. They all were like, okay, we're the experts on this product and we're going to put it all together in one summer gear guide produced by each individual kind of group of what their expertise is. So that just came out. It's a really good example of what you're going to see this winter in that, um, you know, like our ski staff, we, we produced all the content around skis, boots, bindings, helmets, goggles, and resort, uh, apparel. And then like backpacker, they did all the testing for, uh, like touring gear, gloves, packs, like winter camping. There's going to be snowboard stuff in there. You know, it's all the winter stuff in one really fat magazine. Um, that'll go out to subscribers of all those different magazines, but it'll have the same content in it. So when you pick it up, like you'll get a ski cover, but inside will be the same content. Got it. And if you're a, if you're a backpacker subscriber, you're going to pick it up and it's going to have a backpacker cover, but it'll have all the same content.
0: Interesting.
2: So yeah. So it's just a way to get, what we know is that, you know, all of us do a bunch of different sports, right? Like I ski but in the summer I also bike or I also camp or I hike or I do yoga um, and kind of trying to speak to all those different interests at once instead of like asking the brands to let us test their skis for three different titles you know like and then getting different results and you know all that kind of stuff so I just meant to streamline it under kind of one identity and one company Um, so that's coming out this fall um, and that'll be online as well for all the different titles. Um, and then we are doing one more issue this year that'll kind of kick off the season. Beyond that, I don't really know what's happening. Got so <laughs> TBD. No, fair enough. Um, I mean, I, but I'm, we, I'm,
0: yeah. I'm stoked that there's going to be more than one. And, and that there's – I mean, I, I personally like print. Um, I, don't, I, I, yeah. do, I do. Uh, I, I like that I can touch it and hold it and it's like mine. You know, I can like live in my office or I can always go – George and I, always we always – like, dude, it's sick to go back through, like, older magazines from just, for, like, six, five, six years ago and, like, look at the gear yeah. that was chosen and, like, what, what what hit, what missed, and at the time what you thought was going to be great and end up not being so great. And it's, it's a kind of a fun thing. And you, you hold on to it for, I mean, I know I do. You hold on to it for a while. And for it to yeah. just go completely to, to digital, I mean, you lose a lot of, like, that nostalgia that makes, you know, getting those magazines so fun.
1: And you mentioned in oh, yeah. um, another podcast that I was listening to how, like, when you're, holding print how there's not like whatever push notifications popping up on it which is so yeah. true and i think that's a uh kind of a forgotten thing you just you know it's it's nice it's just you in that yeah you're, you're
0: focused on yeah. whatever that content is right in front of you and you're excited to turn the page must yeah. be nice being so popular yeah getting blown up all the
1: time yeah
2: i'm just getting blown up i like can't even get through an email you know i'm just getting blown up um yeah i think you know my degree is actually in print journalism, which is like aging very very quickly. Um aging me very great. quickly, but a great choice. Yeah. <laughs> it's really I was really playing the long game there. I was, I like, was like, yes, I would like to be very wealthy, wealthy and have a long, long career, and I will choose print journalism. Um Genius. Yeah. Ding ding ding. Um so, you know, I I love it. I love reading magazines. Um like I like it for exactly that reason that it's like distraction free um and you know but there are limits to print right like there's space limits there's um there's like time like right now we're finishing up our first issue you know and so that doesn't come out till the fall but we're like wrapping it up now so it's really a different experience that like The stories that you read in print, and this is for any magazine, like, they're not timely per se, and they're not, and they're limited by space, and you got to cut them, you know? Sometimes, like, that's, like, some, one of my favorite things to do is just chop off 500 words of someone's story, like, hey, I know that took you a week, but see ya. Um, But it's hard, you know, it's hard to say, like, okay, you've got four pages to tell this thing, Um, whereas, you know, with the internet, you might have interruptions, but, it's limitless space, you know, it's, um, and the reach is so much bigger. And I think that's why we're seeing this pivot to strictly digital. I mean, I can, you know, I can see statistically that like most of the people coming to ski are looking at it on their phone. Um, it's not even desktop, you know, they're browsing through stuff on their phone, which means they're probably doing it in transit or, you know, when they're like have a few minutes. And so maybe they're not reading a 4,000 word story. Um, but I don't think that's going away, um, but I do. I think, you know, people have limited time and shorter attention spans, and it's our job to like meet them where they're at. And we, it's our it's our challenge then to come up with engaging and creative content that you know satisfies that in the moment. Um, and luckily, with you know the way the outside plus membership works, it is ad free. So if you are a member and you're reading those stories online, like you aren't getting you know, Eric's still getting a lot of texts, but you're not getting the notifications, you know, and pop-up ads and stuff like that. So
0: yeah, I was, re- I was reading, I was, they I was had, yeah, I was, I was reading and I was, maybe I just being naive or I was a little shocked to, to see that, you know, outside had like 800,000 subscribers, like 800,000 monthly subscribers or, so, or something like that. I was like, that was a lot higher than I thought it would be. That that's, that yeah. seems pretty good
2: yeah it's a lot of people um and so i think you know whereas even the most successful like even in powders heyday even at skis pinnacle like no print magazine touches those numbers you know whereas digitally you're able to reach out to you know and like i was talking about that kind of big 10 audience you got to be pretty core and pretty invested in a sport to subscribe to like a print magazine that comes to your house you know maybe you pick it up at the airport or something but like To be a subscriber to a print magazine, you've probably been skiing for a while. That's probably like your lifestyle, right? Whereas to read an article on the internet about something that you're like kind of getting into, it's a little bit less of a commitment. And I think you can draw more people into the fold that way that don't feel like um, they have to make such a huge commitment or feel like, oh, I'm not core enough or whatever.
0: Um, Right. Do do you feel good about it kind of all being under the same umbrella i mean i don't know again there's pros and cons to kind of both of of those things especially when you get that buyer's guide with just the 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 nostalgia factor now it's just like the cover of of ski or the cover of outdoor but i mean i get that it's it's kind of it makes sense to do that but just like personally i mean you're you're working in it right now obviously last year it was much different of a of a story with outside than it is to this year with all you know the consolidation and people you know losing their jobs or whatever. So, I mean, do you feel like, okay about the direction of the, of the company right now?
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, I've been through this sort of like the sky is falling, the world right. is ending print is dying. I've done it, you know, a couple times. Um, and that's not to say that, like, I don't want to sound insensitive. Um, but you know, I'm not my own boss and I haven't been ever in this job. And so I have to trust the people that are making these decisions. Like they're seeing a much bigger picture than I am. Right. Um, I think my viewpoint is valuable because I'm down here like with the people, you know, and I'm like, I know what skiers want or I think I do. And um, I still think that ski is a place for those stories that matter to like the core skier. Um, I hope that these changes just allow us to get those stories in front of more people.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's sad. Like I, I love, I'm sad that I don't make magazines anymore. You know, Yeah,
0: That's,
1: yeah. Weird. Th- that's, that's, really that's a little weird like, too.
2: I really love doing that. Um, and I'm really grateful I've gotten to do that, but you know, I've seen kind of the world end three or four times now and you know, we're all still skiing. That's true, um, right. um we're all still we're all still connected and, you know, the people that you know, it was horrible like back at powder when Matt Hansen like I became the editor in chief because Matt Hansen lost his job. Like that sucked. You know, yeah, I was like, suck. cool, oh, this that's... is my this is my dream, but like my friend and I think also the person who's like really amazing at this job is gone, you know? Um Luckily, Matt was like incredibly gracious and supportive of me because um, that's the kind of person he is. But, you know, he was he was able to find something that, um, you know, he's the director of communication for the Teton search and rescue team now and is doing a phenomenal job there, has a really cool podcast there. Like he's still telling stories and he's probably skiing more, you know. So yeah, yeah. I think it sucks to be sucks to lose your job. It sucks to be the person that doesn't you know, and have to carry on without some of your team members or carry on in the new world and figure out the new structure. It's always hard, um, whichever side you fall on. But I think, you know, people, the people that are, that do move on, like they're so talented and they're so well connected. And like, we were talking about the relationships that are formed through the powder weeks and, you know, through the ski tests and through all these different events, like People take care of each other, and so I think everyone ends up being um, okay in the end because of that. I don't know if that sounds like a nice ribbon. It's like, oh, sorry you lost your job, but don't worry, you'll be okay. Like, it's not that simple, but I just I think from what I've seen, people are okay because they're they have their skill set. Well, yeah, and-
0: I, and I remember the last Potter week we went to it at Red was when it was kind of like Matt Hanson's leaving type of thing. And I still remember, like, you know, the last party, he, he won the Captain's Cup. Yeah. Like, as, like, hey, this is a send-off for, for Hanson. And it was, like, it was, like, all bitter, bittersweet, but also equally, it was, like, uh, you could kind of see it, like, all right, it was time. It was weird. It was, like, yeah. this weird moment in time, but, like, everyone was going nuts. So, it was, like, everyone was happy that he won, like, like this award that he had kind of created. But, like, he was yeah. he was getting fired at the same time. It was, it was kind of, like, a weird thing.
1: Yeah. And Wally won Asphalt King. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah, that was a special one. That was, that was cool. That was good, Wally. Yeah.
2: And you know what I've seen is like, you know, at the time Wally, you're talking about, he was working for Backcountry. Yeah. So he made he was like part of the industry, and he's he's not there anymore. But like, you know, he the relationships. I think I always had this fear, and I, I talked about this with Matt quite a bit back in the day. Like, hey, are these real relationships that I've made? from being, you know, working on Staff of Powder, or do people want something? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you guys experienced that too. Like, it's just like, are these real friendships, or is this because we work together, or is this because, you know, they want to be on my good side? Like, you know, and it was hard to navigate that, but I've I've seen that they are um, true relationships and true friendships through these changes. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know seeing all the people that when you know announcements come out like there is some big change there is some big shift there is something closing or someone's getting let go like the amount of people that reach out not because they care about you know what's happening in the business but they care about the people is just like so awesome every time and it's like bittersweet like you said but it's like okay these people care um, and ski like skiing has been the conduit for these real relationships. And whatever my role is, whatever wherever I'm getting my paycheck from, like these are still people that I'm going to invite to go ski with me, whenever, um, no matter where we're all sitting. So that's huge.
0: That is huge. Uh, out of curiosity, who'd you go to Nordica with? Was it just you on, um, a, on, on a magazine kind of like marketing so yeah, trip? It,
1: was, it all started yeah, with yeah, the connection
2: when I was, again.
0: <laughs> she also has. Yeah, it. I'm she also actually.
2: <laughs> I'm actually sick at Connect Four. No, um, I uh went to the Midhurstel factory twice, um, two years in a row on a project that we produced, um, with Powder Productions under John Stifter, um, called Crafted, and it was kind of a look behind the scenes of like, like you said, how the sausage gets made. So, um, it was myself. The first year we went was myself, Stifter, um, and our camera guy, Seth Gillis, um, and who had been an intern for Powder, and then we hired him as much as we could after that, um, because he was awesome. So the three of us went um, to Austria that first year, and then the second year was just myself and another producer, Phil Spinner. Um, We did a second episode of that. Sick. Um, Do you guys stay at
0: at that sport lodge? The Kogler? The yeah. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. It's just, it's just like, like that whole valley and that whole area like just felt so like, I don't know, you could just feel the like nostalgia for like skiing past and like, it's like a time warp, you it's know, crazy. you go to this little valley where you're like end of the road, there's cows, you know, like walking around the factory. It is awesome.
0: It feel it feel it literally feels like the sound of music. Like, that's what it feels like. You feel like oh, you're yeah. in the sound of music. You're like this is insane. Yeah, I was thinking. Uh,
2: I was totally
0: thinking. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of spritzes um, too. I, I didn't realize how many spritzes we were gonna get. We were going to drink there, but that
2: we spritzed really hard. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's good for you. It's like a juice cleanse.
0: Oh, it's it's delicious. Mm. It's delicious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I just didn't, we going into the trip. I didn't realize like that was going to be like the, the drink of the trip. But then you get there and like every bar and like every corner, like you look at someone's table and there's like, everyone has a spritz. You're like, Oh Jesus. All right.
2: There's nothing better than an Aperol spritz in the Alps. Like that is to me, peak life excellence. Yeah. Like I can want for nothing in that moment. And that's another one of those things. Like that was another trip where it was like stifter and Seth and I, who are good friends. Like, yeah, it was work and we made this project, but we just like showed up in Austria you know, like run and gun crew. We were like writing the script, sitting in the plaza, drinking spritzes, you know, um, and then going and shooting this piece. And it, it was just like, how is this our job? How is this our life? Like incredible. And that's why you're like, I'm never leaving until someone kicks me out. Like, you know, you had those weeks or those days or those, I mean, this last year has been really hard, but it's like, dang it. I can't leave. Like it's so good. And I just love this work so much. And
0: yeah, um, I, 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 didn't, I didn't yeah. ask because we're kind of we're kind of getting close to the end of time here, but I, you kind of jumped super fast. Like you were like, Oh powder's done. Now it's ski. It's like, do you think like, Oh man, do I just want to like take a little break from this? Or like, what, like what, what's going on? But th- because yeah, it, ha- it was really
2: fast. It. it was fast. Yeah. So we all got, um, we got furloughed like right around Thanksgiving Um, you know, that was supposed to be like temporary or whatever. This was, we got pay cuts in like the spring, furloughed in November. And then it was like an indefinite furlough in December, meaning see you never. Um, and I started at ski January 6th. Wow. Wow. So yeah, I definitely was like, sweet. I'm just going to go take a nap. I'm gonna go skiing this winter. Like, you know, it was like such a- There was
1: so You'll much to process. It was super emotional,
2: you know? It was like, it was super emotional and weird. And I was like, oh, I just wanna like go back. You know, if it hadn't been COVID, I definitely would have started bartending again. Yeah. Um, and just yeah. like, that's it, you know, and go ski. I was like, yes, I'm gonna like go back into like ski bum ways. Um, but um, then I got, got this opportunity. Yeah. Days, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> shoot, shoot Val a quick text. Yeah.
2: Cute. you need anybody um <laughs> yeah but yeah I jumped into it really quick because I was given this up op- it's like who gets to do this job you no know to, get to do. Do, it, do it to get to do it twice is just I'm so lucky um it's so hard but it's so rewarding and it's the people it's again like back to that thing about you know what made powder week work what makes anything in this industry work it's the people and it's like you've got to just strip it down through all the bs to be like it's people and it's skiing you know and like it's not brain surgery it's not rocket science thank god unfortunately there turns out to be a little bit of math but for the most part it's like skiing and people and some emails you know um and, <laughs> and it's, a lot of it's, emails it's, yeah a lot of a lot of emails but <laughs> um
0: well we we need to do a, a a ski ski monster collab at another factory somewhere and we need to get a vendor on board yeah we do yeah do yeah, a ski we'll put it, we're putting
2: a, out the call right this now. is it
0: this is it, a ski magazine and ski monster factory tour s- somewhere that's not midrassel
1: so i mean well fuck it i'll go back Afro to midrassel i'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not gonna turn down actually
0: i'll go trend. back to midrassel never mind i redact
2: yeah so i'm in count me in for sure
0: sick well sierra thank you so much for doing this and being here this is an awesome catching up uh it's been a minute and yeah, I'm glad everything is is going going great for you, and hopefully we can ski again sometime. Yes.
2: Yeah, next season's just around the corner.
0: We can ski with Berkowitz with blank skis, and, and no one knows what they are. He'd love that.
1: We should actually have him <laughs> ski next to Hoji, and we'll just see if they're <laughs> actually comparable. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, that sounds like an awesome trip. Let's do it. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, you guys. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks, here.